This past fall, I preached a couple of lessons or a couple of series of lessons on Moses and on Noah. And after those lessons, I had probably four or five people come and say, I like lessons on biblical characters. Will you preach some more? Perhaps some of the Old Testament characters that we have learned such great lessons from. And I was reminded of the fact that many times some of our young people identify with some of these people. And so I really want to begin introducing this by pointing out that sometimes our young people, as we preach from God's Word and teach in our classes, have a difficulty in trying to take these people about whom they read in the Bible and see them in their own lives and I believe there's two tremendous examples for young people. Young men who struggled with difficulties in their life, and they were Joseph and Daniel. And not everything goes our way. I don't know about you, but I find out in my life many things don't go the way that I want it to. And particularly when you're young, it seems like somebody over you is always telling you what you will do, when you will do it, how you will do it. And how do you act in times of trouble? How do you act in times of difficulty? Well, tonight we're going to study the life of Joseph. And I tried to think about the best way to present this, and I found a series of of points about the life of Joseph, and I incorporated these and changed them a little bit. And there are seven things that I want us to notice about Joseph. We're going to move along rather swiftly as we look at each of these. We're going to look at him as the favorite son, forsaken by his brothers, flattered by a woman, falsely accused, forgotten by his friends, famous, and then finally forgiving. And that will cover Genesis chapters 37 through 50. And you'll see a lot about the life of Joseph. Brother Shannon read to us just a few moments ago, verses 3 and 4, but let me draw your attention back to them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. When I see this, I think Jacob should have known better. Jacob, or as he is known here as Israel, experienced it in his own family. Do you remember when Isaac and Rebekah had those two boys? It says Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Here you are in a family where the father has his favorite and the mother has her favorite. And you say, well, okay, but you know what happened, don't you? You know how the enmity and the strife developed between those brothers, how Jacob ended up deceiving his father, receiving the blessing, and then for having to flee for his life. You remember the kind of perpetual enmity that existed between the Edomites, the Esau's family, and those of Israel? Certainly it is a stress and a strain. The text tells us here that Joseph was the son of Rachel. That would have been his favorite wife. Genesis 29, 30, 
Jacob also went in to Rachel and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban another seven years. He made him a coat of many colors. The Hebrew scholars will tell us they don't know exactly what that word means. It may mean a coat of many colors. It may mean a coat with long sleeves. But the thing I'd like to draw your attention to is not necessarily the the design of it, but with the fact that it was given to signify royalty. In 2 Samuel 3, verse 18, Now she had on a robe of many colors, same Hebrew word, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. Whatever this tunic or coat was that Joseph wore, it signified that he was loved more than the rest of the family. I suggest one of the things that you learn in your own family is is that favoritism causes friction and fractured families. It causes strife and it causes difficulty. And one of the things that every good godly parent ought to do is to follow the example of our Heavenly Father. And He is one that shows no favoritism. Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Second of all, He was forsaken by his brothers. If you look at Genesis chapter 37 verse 2, it says, as Brother Shannon read to us, that he was sent by his father to see about his brothers. And it says, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. You go on down in the passage and it says beginning with verse 12 that these brothers go down to Shechem and they begin to feed the flock there. And um, Jacob is now going to send his sons down there to uh, see them and he's going to find them there. If you keep reading to verse 18, it says they see him while he's afar off even before he came near and they conspired to kill him. These brothers here are not just forsaking him, but they're really ready to take his life. And they say, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us kill him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say some wild beast has devoured him. And we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Joseph came. They throwed him into the pit. You go down to chapter 37, verses 26 to 28, and it talks about the fact that Judah wanting to preserve this young man's life, said, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off of him. Let's sell him to these Ishmaelites. And they throw him into the pit and they sell him for 20 shekels of silver. What are you going to do? And What are you going to tell the father? They take his tunic and they killed a goat. They dip the blood in the goat's blood or dip the tunic in the goat's blood and they carry it to their father and Show it to him. And when you think about all of this, Joseph in all of this is just trying to please his father. His father sent him on a journey, sent him on a task. See what your brothers are doing. When he brought back a bad report, he was being faithful to his father. His father wanted to know to his brothers he was being a tattletale. The brothers were the one in the wrong here, not Joseph. How many times have you been called upon to stand up and be honorable, and yet when you do, others look at you and criticize you for it. Joseph had a dream of his brothers bowing down to him. They just could not abide Joseph being 
not only more loved by their father, but they couldn't understand the fact that he had an idea that he was above them as well. So you sell him, you get rid of him, and lie to the father. And in doing so, they were both cruel to Joseph and to Jacob. Not only were they cruel to sell Joseph, their brother, to get rid of him, but what they even said to their father, leaving the impression that Joseph was dead. Can you imagine going to your mother and your father and telling them, my brother, my sister is dead, and the heartache that that causes? The third thing that you notice was he was flattered by a woman. Let's look at verses 6 through 10 of chapter 39. Thus he left all he had in Joseph's hands. That's Potiphar. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is in his, with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has into my hand. There's no one greater in his house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph, day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Now when you start looking at Joseph, the Bible tells us he was a young man. If he was 17 when he was taken captive, he's very likely in his early 20s here, maybe mid-20s. Joseph would have been a young, handsome man. And Potiphar's wife looked and said, you know what? He's a young man I'd like to be with. And so she begins to allure him. Oh, how Solomon explains this vividly in Proverbs chapter 7. He gives a picture of a young man who's passing by and there's a, a strange, wicked woman trying to allure him. And he says, Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. All who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending into the chambers of death. Don't be taken in. Joseph looked at this and said, This is a temptation to which I will not give in. He did the right thing. He fled youthful lust. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul would say, Flee also youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. How many people do you know that have been put into tempting situations as a young man or a young woman? How will I handle this? All the peer pressure is strong. Do like Joseph. Say no. And flee if you have to. Now you know what happened from that. Joseph was falsely accused. Look at verses 11 through 20 of chapter 39. Joseph went in his house to do the work. She caught him by the garment, verse 12, and said, Lie with me. 
He left his garment in in her hand and he fled and ran outside. If you will notice as you go on down, she makes the statement with regards to him that he fled and left and went outside. She took his garment when the master came home and he said, "You, this Hebrew you brought into our house is here to mock me, to make fun of me. Well, you know what ended up happening. Potiphar ended up taking Joseph and casting him into prison. Joseph didn't do anything wrong. Joseph was right. He was falsely accused and falsely convicted. And so I asked the question, who would take the word of this young Hebrew foreigner or the word of the master's wife? And you'd say, well, you're always going to listen to the master's wife. She's making a false charge. He's trying to do something untoward toward her. And in fact, she's the one who was wrong. Sometimes people have to suffer for doing the right thing. You choose to do what is right and you would think everybody would pat you on the back and say, oh, you did the right thing. But no, that's not always the case. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is you are beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Joseph didn't argue. Joseph didn't say, You've so mistreated me. Joseph took it patiently. Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says, And who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. I would suggest to you young people, look at Joseph. Look at his stand for godliness, for righteousness. And say, sometimes I may have to suffer even though I'm the one in the right, even though I did the right thing. As you move into chapter 40, you realize now Joseph is in prison. In fact, in verses 1 through 4, it's going to tell us that he was given a position of authority here. It says that uh, it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended the Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them so they were in custody for a while. You see, Joseph has charge over them. When you drop down, you realize that both of these men had dreams and Joseph interpreted their dreams. The butler, or we would call him the cupbearer, if you will, had a vision here that had him back serving Pharaoh again. And you know what? He did. On the other hand, the baker saw the birds eating from his head and he died. The verse I want to draw your attention to is verse 23. What had happened is Joseph had asked him to remember him when he was lifted up. Verse 14, verse 23, but the chief butler 
did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, Joseph was again a blessed to have this authority, even if it's in prison. He's a man who has, everywhere he has gone, has done exactly what he was supposed to do, whether it was in his father's house, or whether it was with Potiphar's house, or whether it's in the prison, he's going to do what's right. And he is given a position of authority. And so he interpreted these dreams. He treated them well. He treated them right. But the butler forgot him. It's only later that he remembered that he had mistreated Joseph in doing that. Chapter 41, verse 19, or verse 9, the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. I'd like to suggest to you, some of you young people, that sometimes you may be doing the right thing and you've helped somebody else. You've done something good for them. You've provided for them something in their time of need and then you look and say, okay, now they're going to help me and they don't. They forget you. Don't worry. Don't fret. It'll come back. Job put it like this in Job 19.14, My relatives have failed and my close friends have forgotten me. In Ecclesiastes 9 verses 15 and 16, Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man, same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Sometimes you'll be the right person to do a good deed at the right time. And you know how many people are going to notice? Zero. If you want to get noticed, make a mess. Believe me, everybody will notice that. Joseph is a man doing what's right, but he's not doing it for notice. He's doing it to please and serve God. Next Joseph became famous. It's so interesting when you get to Job 41, uh, Genesis 41 that Joseph has interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. And after having interpreted that dream, the question comes up, who is going to be put over this? Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and a wise man to set over the land of Egypt. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there's no one as wise and discerning as you. You shall be over my house. I want you to think, he rose to the position of power in Potiphar's house. But now it's not just Potiphar. He's second in command to Pharaoh himself. As you go on to chapter 41, verses 41 through 44, he takes off his signet ring. He puts it on Joseph's hands. He causes him to ride in the second chariot. He has him to cry, bow before the knee. Joseph's not an ordinary man anymore. Joseph is famous. A very high position for a young man who's only 30 years old. Yes, you see, Job 41 and verse 46 says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. 
Folks, I'm going to tell you what. To be that famous at 30 years of age because you're wise, because you're discerning, because Pharaoh has a lot of confidence in you is a tremendous blessing. But you know, fame has a problem that goes with it. There has obligations and responsibilities with this fame. You've now got to administer seven years of good uh, treatment in the sense of the weather and the crops are coming in. But there's going to be seven lean years. Joseph has to be wise. He has to make sure he has prepared everything just right and oversee this distribution. But yet his fame and his fortune did not make him forget God. Let me tell you what, young people, what's going to happen to you pretty soon. Some of you are going to finish college. Some of you are going to go into positions of work. Some of you will be very successful because you worked hard, because you put the effort, the time in, and people are going to pat you on the back. And when you are successful and you make good money and you have things going your way, don't forget God. God is the one who put you here. God is the one who took care of you. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And number seven, Joseph is forgiving. When you get to chapter 45, Joseph reveals himself to his brethren. You get to verse 4. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. So they came near. Then he said, I'm Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. He's trying to tell his brothers... I don't hold any malice. I don't hold any hard will toward you because I'm here because God wanted me here. He explains that all to them. Fast forward five chapters to chapter 50. And now Jacob has died. These brothers are concerned Verse 15, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil we did to him. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, your father died. He commanded us saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin for they did evil to you. But I want you to notice how Joseph responds. Verse 19, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you, your little ones, and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I think it's interesting. When we began this study back in chapter 37, they could not speak peaceably to him, but now as you end this in chapter 50, He's speaking peaceably and kind to them. There was a tremendous pent-up emotion in Joseph. As he reveals himself to his brothers, he is just full of love. 
because he realizes they're his brothers. The brothers are afraid of their mistreatment of Joseph. They're afraid we're going to get coming back to us what we deserve. Joseph did not hold a grudge. He returned good for evil. I'm going to tell you, folks, I hear this all the time in everyone's family. There's stress, there's strain, there's hard feelings, there's harsh words. You can be a Joseph. You can forgive. Proverbs 24, 29 says, Do not say, I will do to him just as he's done to me. I'll render to man according to his work. Just what he did to me, I'm going to give it back to him. Of course, we always add, let him see how it feels. But he said, no, you don't do that. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Do not repay evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. In fact, he tells them, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Joseph did. Now when you step back and you look at that full spectrum of his life, his life embodies the heights and the valleys that most people will face. I can tell you in my own life, as I'm sure you can tell me about yours, there's some days I get up and feel like everything is going in the right direction with a smile on my face. And then there's some days that you get up and you realize Why did I get up? It's an awful day. Everything's going wrong. Nothing's going in the right direction. But you look at Joseph. Wherever he was, he took the situation that God gave him and used it correctly. Even in the face of adversity, one must learn to strive to be the best where they are. Someone is mistreating you. Don't be surprised. You get to choose how you respond. And I will tell you, like Joseph, from being thrown in that pit to being the second to Pharaoh, God takes care of his own. And I'd encourage you to realize that God can take care and will take care of you as well. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, why not... Because you believe in Jesus Christ, confess your sins, repent of your sins, and be baptized for the remission of those sins. We'd love to be able to have a new brother, a new sister in Christ tonight. As a Christian, if you're struggling with sin, let it go. Let it go. And repent of that sin and be restored to faithfulness. If you need to respond, please come tonight as we stand inside.